Online. Welcome to Catholic View on this Tuesday evening. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up in today's feature program, we'll be taking a look at President Joseph Kabila's open dispute with the Catholic Church in the DRC. But first, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. So do stay tuned. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas. The good news for a change. In your headlines this Tuesday evening, SACBC bishops meet with other faith leaders at plenary. Congolese President Joseph Kabila continues his dispute with the Catholic Church. And Pope Francis reforms Catholic higher education. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Dirish. Jesuit news site Spotlight.Africa has reported that representatives from the Muslim, Baha'i, Buddhist, Hindu, Jewish and various Christian communities spent some time with the SACBC bishops at the plenary in Pretoria yesterday. Nusipo Khadebe reports. Communications officer for the conference, Father Paul Tadu, said the meeting between the bishops and other faith leaders enabled them to discuss common concerns, common issues and ways of cooperating with each other to achieve their common goal of building peace, unity and encouraging the country to move towards progress and development. He added they also had a time of prayer together. The General Secretary and Spokesperson of the National Episcopal Conference of Congo has responded to Congolese President Joseph Kabila's remarks. In a rare media appearance, Kabila confronted Catholic leaders, saying nowhere in the Bible has Jesus Christ ever presided over an electoral commission. Father Donatienne and Sole reacted, saying that Pope Benedict XVI said that the church must be present where the population suffers, and this is the case in the DRC. The Bishops' Conference in Congo has insisted on free and fair elections, opposing Kabila's bid to extend his presidential term beyond its constitutional limit. They have also condemned Kabila's government for the deadly use of force on pro-democracy demonstrators after security forces shot dead at least six people and wounded dozens more in a bid to disperse the protest that the church had organized. Chancellor at the Johannesburg Archdiocese, Father Jean Marie had this to say. Uh, the church is not doing politics. The church is merely doing what is uh, prophetic, meaning the mission of the church to look and uh, to care about the people of God who are oppressed by the same regime. And uh, he explained why the church has to be involved. The church has to be involved because those are the very same people that the church preach the word of God and uh, we have that mission. And, uh, Pope Francis has called for a radical paradigm shift and a bold cultural revolution at ecclesiastical universities in a new apostolic constitution issued yesterday. Colin York has more. His 87-page document is entitled Veritatus Gaudium. Pope Francis writes that the older document... Sapientia Christiana 
urgently needs to be brought up to date in the light of changes in society and in academic life. Pope Francis offered four criteria to guide the new approach to learning at ecclesiastical institutions, the presentation of the ever-fresh and attractive good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a dedication to wide-ranging dialogue and the culture of encounter, a commitment to interdisciplinary and cross-disciplinary approaches to study, and an emphasis on networking with other institutions to promote studies of mutual interest. The new norms take effect with the opening of the current academic year, 2018-2019. In other African news, the 55-nation African Union has resolved to work towards the continent's self-dependence and better operation of the Union. Early talks at the summit were overshadowed by the remarks made by U.S. President Donald Trump referring to African countries as as holes. The African leaders concluded the two-day AU summit yesterday in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The SACBC's Colette Anjonit has this report. The AU summit has deliberated on peace and security issues with the Democratic Republic of Congo, South Sudan and Libya topping the agenda. President Zuma says South Africa will continue to play a key role to assist these countries to have lasting peace. The summit also discussed a report on African Union reforms presented by Rwanda President Paul Kagame. President Zuma says there were issues that countries did not agree to in the report, but he is certain that with time there will be one voice on the reforms. He has applauded the theme of fighting corruption that the continent has chosen for 2018 and says with concerted effort, Africa can get rid of the challenge. Mozambique's Attorney General has filed a legal complaint against officials and state-owned companies involved in securing $2 billion in loans that were not approved by Parliament or disclosed publicly. According to a statement issued yesterday, investigations into the debt found that the deals violated Mozambique's constitutions. The alleged infringements included failure to comply with the procedures and limits established by law in the insurance of guaranteed by the state, it said. An independent audit of the debt showed in June last year that questions remained on how the $2 billion was used and roughly a quarter of the money remained unaccounted for. The United Nations is warning humanitarian assistance will remain vital to millions over the next six months. Somalis have been particularly vulnerable to food shortages due to drought and the displacement of people. But now the government says it has a plan to improve food security in the long run. Famida Miller reports from Mogadishu. At the peak of last year's drought, more than three million people were in need of urgent humanitarian assistance. The United Nations says that number's dropped, but only by half a million. The humanitarian needs are still very high, and we are still seeing uh, malnutrition levels that are amongst the highest in the world. So that, that very much warrants our continued attention. At the same time, the progress that we've made shows that we have a much more effective response mechanism in place as compared to 2011, when a quarter of a million people died. 300,000 children under the age of five are malnourished. While the effects of the drought in parts of southern Somalia, including the capital Mogadishu, have eased, more assistance is now needed in the north where there's been low rainfall. 
And the UN says 2.7 million people will be in crisis between now and June. Since the famine in 2011, billions of dollars have been spent on emergency relief. But the government says it can no longer rely solely on foreign aid and must find long-term solutions to conflict, drought and the displacement of people. There have been few national institutions to tackle these challenges, but now the government says it's come up with a plan. Last year, the government opened a department to deal with humanitarian and disaster management. And it's planning long-term investment for development in rural areas, usually the worst hit by drought. We have the longest and, and, and sea coast, as well as we have two rivers, we have fertile land, uh, so, country like Somalia is something that could have been avoided very long time, but because of lack of institutions since 2019, since 1991 up to now, that is why we have seen these droughts keep coming back. More funding to produce food, including in the agricultural and fisheries sectors, hopes to break the impact of drought and the cycle of suffering. But Somalia's government says it will take time. And that was a quick look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. Thank you very much for joining me this Tuesday evening. I'm Sheila Birch. Coming up next is our feature program. And today we take a look at President Kabila's open dispute with the Catholic Church in the DRC. Welcome back to our feature program. In his first speech in six years, the President of the Democratic Republic of Congo confirmed his country will hold elections at the end of this year. Joseph Kabila said polling will go ahead even though voting has already been postponed twice. Probably the most important thing is not necessarily the elections. You can organize elections whenever you want. You can organize them uh, today, tomorrow, the day after tomorrow. But what's more important is what happens after election. Uh, do you have chaos or do you have stability, relative stability, in order for the country to go forward? The bishops' conference in Congo has insisted on free and fair elections, opposing Kabila's bid to extend his presidential term beyond its constitutional limit. They've also condemned Kabila's government for the deadly use of force on pro-democracy demonstrators after security forces shot dead at least six people and wounded dozens more in a bid to disperse a protest that the church had organized. In his speech in honor of his 17th anniversary after his rise to power, Kabila confronted Catholic leaders saying nowhere in the Bible has Jesus Christ ever presided over an electoral commission. The Catholic Church rejected election results in 2011. Nowhere in the Bible is it written that Jesus presided over an electoral commission. It's very dangerous when people try to mix religion and politics. 
In response to Kabila's remarks, the General Secretary and Spokesperson of the National Episcopal Conference of Congo, Father Donatien Sole, noted that Pope Benedict XVI once said that the Church must be present where the population suffers, and this is the case in the DRC. On the other hand, His Eminence, Cardinal Laurent Mosenguo Basinha, Archbishop of Kinshasa, qualified Kabila's speech as long-winded and useless. So to get an in-depth analysis of the Congolese bishop's response, I spoke to Father Jean Marie, who is the Chancellor at the Archdiocese of Johannesburg. And following the many years of Kabila being silent, and suddenly he comes out to speak to the media uh, two, three days ago on the anniversary of his 17th um, anniversary of uh, being uh, president of the country. In his way, he was so strong addressing the church on the recent uh, things that are happening in the country. Uh, one of the things that he said that led also the church to react, he said that uh, we have to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and uh, Jesus never presided over elections. Those, are, those, those were his words. And the church, through the mouth of um, the general secretary of the Bishop's Conference of Congo, Father Shole, he responded by saying that uh, the church is not doing politics. The church is merely doing what is uh, prophetic, meaning the mission of the church to look and uh, to care about the people of God who are oppressed by the same regime. And uh, he explained why the church has to be involved the church has to be involved because those are the very same people that the church preach the word of God, and uh, we have that mission. And uh, Father Shole also stressed about the uh, social teachings of the church, that that is not politics, but rather caring and loving and uh, showing uh, support to the people who are being oppressed by those who are supposed to foster democracy and even uh, development of the same people. And then in his address, um, the president of the DRC also mentioned that, you know, DRC had elections before, which the Catholic Church did not approve of. Is this correct? Partly correct. The Church did not approve the elections because the Church was uh, 60% on the ground, or if not more, on those elections to supervise it and uh, to monitor that there is no... uh, um, Nothing wrong goes on, but there were a lot of uh, 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 things that the church found that were not right, that the elections were rigged. That is what the president is saying that the church did not approve. The church did not approve the the result that came out, that the true winner of those two elections were not proclaimed by the Independent Electoral Commission in Congo as winners, but rather it was the current president who is there who was pronounced as the winner. That's what the church said, and the church abides to the truth, so it had to speak the truth. When the president says that uh, the church did not accept those elections, it is on the basis of the result, DSL, not on the basis of uh, 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 organization, but the result that was rigged. But now, following Joseph Kabila's announcement that there will be elections at the end of 2018, now this... Uh 
words that have been mentioned before, it sounds more like more or less like a repetition. I mean, we heard this in 2016, we heard it in 2017, and now it's 2018. There will be elections end of the year. Following this announcement, how does the church feel? Are they still going ahead with the march planned for February? The church is still going on uh, ahead with the march is uh, the uh, because this, uh, the commission of lay people who are busy preparing all these marches, uh, but they have the support and the blessings of uh, the bishops' conference. The church is uh, uh, saying that the accord that was uh, signed, that agreement that was uh, signed in uh, December 31st, 2016, that led Kabila to still be the president throughout 2017, needs to be implemented fully. That's what the church is why the church is marching for, that those that agreement has never been implemented to the letter, and therefore they want that to be implemented. They want uh, the things to be done according to uh, that agreement. So the church is not backing off uh, with uh, marches, and they're, they're busy preparing for another one to come in February, and the date still has to be announced. Uh, again, the church is also there for the election, yes. But this accord, this agreement needs to be implemented in order for us to go to have a free and fair election comes uh, December 2018. And if uh, this accord, this agreement is not uh, implemented, there will always be uh, 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 problems, dear Sheila. You will understand again that, uh, you will know again that the government is trying also to, with, in complicity with uh, uh, the Independent Electoral Commission to introduce an electronic vote. And these electronic machines have proven to be uh, 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 the uh, way of them uh, cheating again or uh, uh, rigging again the election. And uh, I don't think that many are for those uh, uh, electronic uh, way of uh, voting. And that's one thing that also brings another uh, uh, misunderstanding and problems or between the two parties, meaning uh, the civil society which, where the church found itself and uh, the opposition uh, parties and uh, the government itself. And of course, it also goes in line with what the African Union have been talking about, corruption being costly to the continent. And I guess that's what you mean as well. I mean, if you're going to hold elections that are already planned to be rigged, that's a exactly. corruption. That's a mm-hmm. corruption at the core. And at the same time, that comes as a very huge expense to the country, to the nation, to the continent as well. Exactly, dear Sheila. That's the pure corruption that uh, that is being prepared, and uh, it's a well-organized one, and uh, I will say institutionalized and legalized. Well, Father Jean-Marie, thank you so much for your comments. I don't know if there are any last words you'd like to leave us with. Uh, the last word I will just say, dear Sheila, is just to say thank you to the Senegalese uh, 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 people in Senegal uh, who marched on the 27th of January on the streets of uh, their capital city, Dakar, to protest against uh, the police brutality in Kinshasa as the people are marching and to protest against uh, the dictatorship of uh, President Kabila. Uh, they organized that uh, with the help of uh, Amnesty uh, International. So I would just like to say thank you to our brother Africans who are now standing uh, in support of the Congolese people 
And the last, very last word will be that the church in Congo wants to contribute to the peace and the common good of uh, the society. It is not there to do politics as uh, it is being accused by the president himself. Thank you again so much, dear Sheila, for your uh, interest and uh, support for this um, work that you are doing to spread the news of uh, the continent, which is the good news indeed that we want for the change, as is the motto of your radio. Thank you, Sheila. God bless. Now, despite political instability, the DRC is faced with a high number of malnourished children, extreme poverty, and lack of many other humanitarian basic necessities. Today, Doctors Without Borders issued an alarming statement concerning the rapid spread of cholera in various provinces of the DRC, including the capital, Kinshasa. According to the statement, the Democratic Republic of Congo is currently facing its most significant cholera outbreak for 20 years. In 2017, 55,000 people fell ill across 24 of the country's 26 provinces and 1,190 died. Doctors Without Borders, otherwise known as MSF, has been at the forefront of the medical and humanitarian response, treating half of patients, about 25,300, affected by cholera across the country. MSF field coordinator based in Kinshasa, Pierre van Hedegem, spoke to me about the cholera outbreak in the DRC. DRC has seen a cholera outbreak. DRC sees regular uh, cholera outbreaks. have seen uh, actually the biggest outbreak in 20 years in 2017. 2017, about 55,000 people uh, were affected with cholera. And almost 1,200 people died in this cholera outbreak. Now, uh, since the end of December, um, we have seen, we had already seen some cases in Kinshasa during the year, during 2013. So we've clearly seen a huge increase in uh, cases uh, in the end of December, early January uh, of this year. So, uh, following this, um, with the Congo emergency group conducted to that board, uh, we started uh, supporting the Ministry of Health in responding to this epidemic. Uh, uh, we started this response uh, in Kinshasa uh, end of December, and it's still ongoing right now. Do you get assistance from the local authorities? And by local authorities, I know you've mentioned the health department, but does the government play a hand in this? Do they support um, MSF? And do in, does the international community support MSF with regards to this? Yes, yeah, so we do have daily meetings with uh, people from the Ministry of Health, with people from the World Health Organization, but also with other actors to coordinate the different actions that we have in Kinshasa. Uh, so, as doctors with our boys, we mainly focus on the medical side of the response. So, we are taking charge of the patients. Uh, we're also doing sensitization in the community. But of course, Kinshasa is a huge city of 12, 13 million people, and we cannot be everywhere. Uh, so, other actors are stepping in for sensitization and uh, also for... Um, Water sanitation activities, which is extremely important in uh, cholera activities. But of course, in, in the end, there will be a need from, for some structural uh, solutions. Um, the populations that are affected are.
most affected areas where there, uh, where there's a lot of trees, a lot of uh, drinking water. Uh, so as long as this is not being addressed, uh, there's always a risk of recurrence of um, the cholera epidemic. Now, MSF has been in the DRC since 1981, and you mentioned things such as lack of sanitation, lack of drinking water, as well as lack of health infrastructure. Those are some of the things that, some of the factors that are enabling the spread of cholera in the DRC. Now, how does the local government feel about this? Has MSF ever perhaps approach the local government over the years that it has been in that country? Yeah, there's definitely an awareness of the local authorities of this problem and also international associations as the local organization. Uh, but you cannot forget that um, DLC has seen a huge increase in population as well, uh, especially in Shaka, where uh, a couple of decades ago it was 5 million people. Right now there is 12, 13 million people. And for a country um, with uh, limited resources, it's extremely difficult to um, uh, to step up uh, uh, the response and that structure, structural responses to, uh, to these kinds of problems. So what's the way forward? How can MSF, together with help from others, of course, stop this epidemic from spreading? Basically, we always in um, emergency response. So that means we take care of the medical side, so we've been setting up Pierre, thank you so much for your time. We wish you all of the best, that said. I don't know if there are any last words you'd like to say. Um, well, basically, um, well, thank you very much for this interview. And, um, of course, I think it's really important that the international community uh, continues to invest in uh, DRC uh, if we want to see long-term solutions to this kind of epidemics, because color is just one of the epidemics that uh, DRC is seeing regularly. There's also measles. There's also a problem with uh, um, people displacement in uh, in DRC. So a continuous effort um, to help DRC, help the population in DRC, is definitely necessary. Well, that brings me up to time. This has been your Tuesday's edition of Catholic View. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that I'll be back again tomorrow at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirish.